there. This is uh, Kevin Evans with the chapter by chapter life class at Crossroads Assembly of God in Greenville. And um, we are studying the book of Acts. And last week, we began chapter five uh, with uh, Ananias and Sapphira. And uh, we, we stopped at verse 16. And just as a recap of what has happened in this drama so far, uh, the apostles have been preaching under the power of the Holy Spirit uh, in the temple in a, uh, a colonnade, which is uh, part of Herod's temple, which is uh, a big meeting area that is built around the actual temple uh, across a courtyard. And so it's, uh, the, the Herod's temple is really kind of a big, kind of an office complex, if you want to think of it that way. And uh, one end is heavier covered and has closed in areas where all of the fancy priests uh, meet. And then we have these two other colonnades, or actually three, I think, which are kind of open air. So there's big columns holding up a big cover, uh, and you're out of the rain and out of the weather but it's still open to the outdoors and you can just walk up steps and in and it's a, it's a big gathering area. And so any, any worshiper that comes into the temple can gather there, you can meet your friends, you can have a prayer meeting, you can uh, have classes, you know, whatever, whatever they do is done in those colonnades. So uh, the early Christian church under the apostles, they are still very Jewish people that are preaching that the Messiah has come and so they are doing what they would naturally do to reach out to Jewish people by preaching in that colonnade. And um, in chapters, uh, the end of chapter, in four, Peter, three and four, uh, Peter is, is heals people and the, uh, the, the, the Sadducees, who is the sect that uh, is running the temple challenges him because he's uh, brought a beggar into the temple and uh, and and he healed him and he and they told him to stop preaching and he basically said no and he has such a following that they were a little nervous about causing a riot by arresting this guy that said no to the to, uh, 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 the, to the priests and so they they backed off and so. Peter has been, and all the rest of the apostles, have been pressing their uh, uh, advantage. And they're all preaching in the colonnade. And large numbers of people are coming in to hear them speak. And they're healing people regularly, which gets everybody's attention. And every time they, they heal some, uh, uh, a few people, then, you know, that multiplies the number of people that come in the next time. So we have this rapid growth in a following, which is making the Pharisees and Sadducees even more nervous because uh, we've got this growing insurrection. And of course, what they're preaching is that uh, these healings are through the power of Jesus Christ, who was murdered by the Sadducees, you know? And so that's not going over well with the priest either. It's, it's truth, but it's, 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 it, they, they would prefer to have a better spin on it all. Yeah. Well, didn't the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. That is true. So not only is it 
their fault, they also it also goes against what they've been teaching for years, you know. And so there's a doctrinal difference between the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and uh, one is uh, very legalistic, and the other is very naturalistic, which you know both of which which are actually both issues currently in our Christian church. We have the same things happening. Like water, water and fire. Yes. So uh, we have. Uh, Peter preaching, and we finished, um, let me get on the right page here, uh, he's been healing many, the apostles have been healing, and uh, they've been free because the, uh, the uh, Sadducees had kind of backed off, and, um, and, and, and now they've, um, the, the Sadducees have had enough, and I told you that this is where the empire strikes back, and this is kind of, uh, it, it flips on the other side. The Sadducees, while they've been avoiding persecuting, yes. Borrow my table? The one I'm sitting at? Oh, okay, okay. class and now he's taking my table away. No, this is where I think, this is where the will of, of Jesus comes into play is in chapter 17. 17? 17 in chapter 5. Uh, oh, verse 17 in chapter 5. Okay, so there is, uh, okay, so I'm going to read the first half of this segment and usually in my Bible they're kind of developed, it's divided with little subtitles. I'm, I'm sticking my subtitle in at at the end of 32. I'm going to read down to 32. We'll discuss it from there, and then we'll talk about the Gamaliel thing at the end. Okay, so beginning at verse 17 in verse 5 of Acts in the NIV. Then the high priest and all of his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and they put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and they sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. So they're right there. Uh, at that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. I think that's curious. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave, uh, we gave you strict orders not to teach in his name. He said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, 
we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had called by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Okay, there's a lot there, so I want to try to unpack that. Uh, so going back to the beginning, then the high priest and all its associates who are members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. So they've been ignoring this growth, hoping that it will go away, and it has not. It's gotten bigger. And so they arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. I hung up for way too long trying to figure out what the public jail literally means. Uh, because the priests in the temple have a certain authority over civil matters, uh, they are kind of local judges, they can hold you prisoner. They can have you stoned. And uh, they can give you a sentence. And I'm thinking, is there a prison in the temple complex? Is there a room that with, with, you know, where they can hold people overnight or something? Uh, and, and I dug and dug and dug and could find nothing to that, to that effect. Uh, evidently, because they have authority over certain matters, there is a civil jail outside the temple complex that they use, and it's probably Roman, and, they can, and they've got some place where they can lock you up and it's covered with temple guards. Well, mine, mine has a different saying. Mine He's says, telling. Mine says it's a, they put them in a common prison. Yes, but that, which means that common, it means that it's used by several people. So it would be, it's either strictly a Hebrew jail, and I realize we're digging way too far into this. It's either a Hebrew jail that they share with uh, the priests when they want to use it, you know, so you've got, they're, they're policing their own people, or it's a Roman jail, which the priests have authority to put certain people in if they say so, you know. Uh, so that's what common would mean. But it is outside the temple complex. I really wanted to make it inside the temple complex. It's just not there. That's not what it says. So they arrest all the apostles. And they put them all, all 12, plus maybe, <laughs> in, 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 in this common jail outside of the temple. Well, that should take care of their problem. Now... They're doing this because they need to make a big public statement. They've let this go too long. They gave them a warning, and they're pressing the issue. So now we have to escalate, and they, in order to maintain their authority, would you like the actual donuts, Kenny, uh, that, that uh, everybody's ignoring? Ignoring? Please. Oh, you, you want those? Oh, fine. Be that way. Okay. I'm going to stop bringing donuts if you don't eat them. Well, yeah, but what they didn't figure on is that God has angels that go and take care of his own. That's true. You get ahead of me. You always get ahead of me. Why do you do that? Anyway, um, so. Kevin. Yes? Oh, okay. <laughs> There's one pretty one in there. I got it for yet, but he's not here. You know. Okay, so. Um, I lost my train of thought. So they're, they're, they're throwing him in prison. And 
they want to hold him there and they schedule a trial for the next day. And not only do we schedule a trial for the next day, but very significantly, we invite the entire, the full assembly of the elders of Israel of the Sanhedrin. This is the full council of Sanhedrin. It is 70 men. So we throw these apostles in jail and then they immediately start rounding up every last one of the judges of Israel, which is who the Sadducees are. They carry the preeminent religious and civil authority among the Jews in Israel. And they're having a full-fledged trial. This is not a little hearing over at the high priest's house like Jesus got. This is a public forum, and it is a show trial. It is designed to condemn these people in front of the, their followers so they can nip this little cult in the bud and end all of this blasphemous truth that they're, they're shouting about the Pharisees and Sadducees yeah, killing they, off Jesus Christ. What they, what they didn't figure is, oh, God, God's will out trumps man's will. Yeah, it, it does. And it, they actually bring that out themselves here in a minute. So, um, I kind of wanted to specify a little bit. Now, this is on uh -huh. the subject, you know, but it's also on the subject. Um, we see very clearly that, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the guardian of the law. You know, we see in Galatians chapter 3, and I'm looking for the verse, I can't find out if I want that, I'll quote it later. But we see that the Bible says that we're no longer under the guardian of the law, therefore we're under grace. So just kind of specifying what grace means, you know, when the Lord says that we're under grace, it means that we're no longer under the guardian and the supervision of the law, which would have been the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were, you know, so going forth and being condemned or whatever and so forth. <laughs> yeah. So, for one of the three times in Scripture, God sends an angel of the Lord to a prison to unlock the doors and spring the prisoners. So, the angel of the Lord doesn't give his name. I'm wondering which one it is, actually. Do you think it's Michael? Okay. I, well, here's what I think. He says with authority. I want to hear this. Go for it. No, really. I've heard. <laughs> in his, in his Bible. Oh, that's uh, not in his Bible. <laughs> I, I've, heard, I've heard different things. I've heard in the Old Testament when they say angel of the Lord, it was Jesus. But I don't think this time it this was Jesus. Jesus. No. no, this time I think it's Michael. Because Michael seems to show up like he did when Daniel prayed for 70 days and he was having to fight Satan yeah. to get to Daniel's prayers. That's why I kind of think that this angel, the angel of the Lord is Michael, because Michael seems to be kind of like in command over the angels. Well, whoever he was, he shows up and he opens the doors. It's quite a few of them. True. We only know we names of three in scripture. And if you dig it, unless you dig into all of the old weird Jewish uh, uh, folklore stuff, and then it gets fun. So anyway. Uh, and so he opens the jail and brought them out. There's no mention of the guards. There were guards. And the guards are completely unaware that they're gone. Isn't that interesting? So the doors open and they walk out, but the guards who were awake and there don't notice anything happening. Nor do they look into the cell to notice they're not there. They go, oh, wait, what's going on? They're gone? 
Do you think that maybe the angel put him in a trance or something? I, I don't. It doesn't say. It's kind of like when Jesus rose from the dead. It said that it scared the guards into a trance, like you know. So. Well, allow me to quote Clayton Yeck, who is not here. The scripture is silent. Yeah. Okay, here. There, there you go. Uh, because that's what he would say at that moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who knows? And so uh, go and st- and so the angel says, "Go and stand in the temple courts and tell the people the full message of this new life." Meaning, go back to work. Go back to where you were before they got you. He sends them straight back into the the pit where they, you know, where they just got arrested. And so. They do. Now they can't because it's at night and they're outside the temple. We have to wait till they open the doors at daybreak. And so when the gates open up, in they walk and go straight back to their colonnade and go back to what they were doing before and the crowds gather. Now remember, this is a big complex and they're not in the same building as the Sanhedrin are. And they're walking into the same area, but I guess there's a big crowd and they haven't noticed that, you know, their prisoners are are free and preaching. So the high priest and his associates arrive and they call together the full assembly. They set up for trial and they send for the prisoners and they leave the temple and go out to the jail and discover that they're not there. And they come back and then somebody goes, wait, there they are in the building on the other side where they're currently preaching. That's kind of embarrassing, isn't it, Bill? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially when they say that the doors were shut, the guards are standing there, and yeah, there's nobody yeah. there. Yeah. It's not like they ran away. It's not like they're resisting arrest. They're they're still there. I think they're like, in their own lives, they're on the line also. Like the guards well, yeah. The prisoner gets away. That's, like, that's sentence for the guards. It is. Well, it is with Romans, for sure. I'm not sure how it is with the Hebrews, but yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't bode well for your ability to guard if your prisoner gets away. You know that's a problem. Uh, so it doesn't say they stone their guards, but you know. So, so they send them to go gather, and I think this is really curious. Someone said, "Look," and put them in jail, standing at the temple courts, teaching, t- uh, teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles, and then Luke specifically says. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. But it's not like they're resisting. They're not resisting. You know, they could just go, could you come with me, please? And they do. But they didn't use force because they were afraid the people would stone them. Do you think maybe the guards were a little upset? I'm thinking maybe these were the guys that were up all night trying to keep them in the jail, and they got past them, and I'd be a little miffed, you know? So basically what Luke is saying, the guards did not beat them up just because they wanted to, because people were staring at them and it would look bad. That's pretty much it. If they were, you know, back behind the building and nobody could see, then it might have gone a different way. Because it made them look bad, right? Okay. So they feared that people would stone them. Having brought the apostles, they went before the Sanhedrin, and we gave you strict orders not to teach. And then Peter says, and the other apostles replied, we must uh, do what God tells us to do. Okay, did I miss anything? It's just divine deliverance that delivered them. And you know, I'm wondering wondering if they, if you know, they called everybody together, like you said, 
I'm wondering if they were planning on maybe silencing them permanently, and that's you know that was not God's plan, and so I God think so. and God sent that angel um, to deliver them so that He could make His point to the Sanhedrin that this is going to continue on. Yes, and I think also to the apostles there's a message here too and I think the apostles are starting to to get it at this point their, their purpose is to spread the word and literally this trial is a ministry opportunity for the apostles because there are Pharisees and Sanhedrin members of the Sanhedrin who are now sympathetic to the Christian cause and, and at least a few of them are believers at this point you know and so uh this is Peter and John's and the apostles' opportunity to witness directly to the enemy power. And I also think that this was also, uh, Jesus finally had to, they didn't do what he said to, he said go into all the world, and they were staying in Jerusalem, and I think this was Jesus' way and God's way of saying, now it's time to move out of Jerusalem and start, so he had to bring this persecution to force them to move out and do what he originally told him to do. I played with that notion quite a bit as I was studying this. And I told you my dad's old story about, you know, how if Baptists don't, don't expand, then God's going to break up the Baptists, and that's why they have the fights all the time. Uh, there is, I think there's some truth to that. Uh, I don't know how the timing fits here. I think this is the very beginning of the church. I think they've got thousands of people following them. I'm not sure it's really time for them to launch out into, you know, outside of Jerusalem to, to start preaching. But that's going to happen. But you have to kind of build up the infrastructure of the church first, I would think, if I were writing the screenplay, like I said. Uh, but so uh, I don't know if that's how clean of an explanation that is, although I get your point. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, if it were, if if it, if they've been doing this for two years and preaching in the temple just to the Jews, then yeah, maybe maybe they need to get out a little further, you know. Um, so yes, so Peter and the others replied, "We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, uh, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree." Thought that was an interesting turn of phrase. Evidently, that's kind of a, a Roman slangish expression for crucifixion. He's, he's, he's uh, being kind of mean in explaining crucifixion, you know. It, it, it's the street version of saying crucifixion. Well, here's a hypocrisy here. Yeah. You remember they told Pilate, they said, let his blood be upon us. And here the scripture says... You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Yes. Well, y'all already said to put this man's blood on us, so it's like you're, it's a hypocrisy. That's statement. a good point. Uh, God exalted him to the right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given those who obey him. So Peter is preaching to the entire council of the Sanhedrin. This is every last religious power in Jerusalem all in the middle of the same trial. This is, this is you know, this is Peter's big break as a sermon, right? You know, who, who else do you want to talk to? And so that's, uh, that, that's kind of what the, what the 
apostles knew was there, they were there to do. They understood that this was under the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit and that, and that God was having his way. And so that's, that's why they were doing. So with that, we have a break and Luke tells us what's happening on the side of the Sanhedrin. And so he has heard a story from somebody that was in that group of people away from the apostles, which I think is interesting because there are Pharisees and Sanhedrin that have become believers. And I assume that that story came through them through that area for that direction. So beginning at 33 and finishing the chapter, when they heard this, they were furious and went to put them to death. So they're going to kill all 12 apostles. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men who put aside uh, be put outside for a little while. Like, so take the prisoner out of here and let's have a council before you stone these guys. Then he addressed them. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared claiming to be somebody and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed and all his followers dispersed and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a man to people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. I think that's a profound sentence, considering who this is and what they're up to. Yes, they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak the name of Jesus and he let them go. That was the light treatment right there. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. I would have a hard time rejoicing after being flogged, even if I felt good. Because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts or from house to house, they never stopped preaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. <clears throat> so when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. So they're about to take the vote and stone these guys because what Peter just said was contempt of court and also in their uh, estimation, blasphemy, because he's suggesting that the dead have risen, that Christ has risen. It says also when they heard that, that they were cut to the heart. Huh? My, in, in verse 33, it says when they heard that, they, when they heard that, that they were cut to the heart and so counsel to slay them. So the King James says <clears throat> cut to the heart and the NIV interprets the same word furious? That's well, very has, different. I would has, interpret that differently. That's mine has two side notes. It says oh, okay. it brought conviction of sin, and it brought, and then they they re lashed out with for revenge for saying such a thing. Okay, that's an interpretation. 
Um, that was snippy of me, wasn't it? I really didn't mean to be snippy. That's okay. I want to be very overt when I'm snippy. Yeah, I mean, to be clear, those different versions are called different interpretations. That's true, yeah. Okay, so they heard this, and they were furious, and they wanted to put them to death. Furious, I said furious. That's right, I said that. <laughs> really? should get you a better Bible. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin. Okay. It, <sighs> Do we know a lot about him? No! I thought this was the guy that taught Paul. Yeah, I thought so also. Yeah. And uh, because there, there's a reference to Paul's teacher Gamaliel, and that's probably true. But who is Gamaliel? Uh, there are references to two Gamaliels in Josephus, which is non-canonical writing from the same time period by a Jewish scholar. And, um, and there are other references, too, to Gamaliels. But... They're, they're in different languages, and the, 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 it, it, might not be, it might be the same guy, and it might not, because the name's a little different. And it's, 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 they, we, there's nothing definitive. You know, I, I would love to say we have a biography of Gamaliel, and we don't. We, what we know is he is a theologian, and he is the old man in the room, and he is the scriptural authority in the room. Now, we've got 70 men who have gathered together to kill people. That is what, and we're putting on a show trial to convince the people that they're wrong and they shouldn't be following these apostles. And then we have the old man speaking that completely converts us. It's not that he just converted us, he also quoted a reference because that's how Pharisees work. Uh, when he says, we have these two incidents of rebellion and it came to nothing, and then he says, leave them alone. If their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail, and if it is from God, you can't stop them. That's not his line. It is a reference to Jewish teaching, and I forget where it comes from. It's not scripture, but it, it's, it's Jewish rabbinical teaching that goes back for several hundred years, and he's quoting basically their training as Pharisees. So if we're gonna be good Pharisees, what we don't want to do is have the show trial and execute people. That puts too much authority on, on us because they are priests of God. We need to let God take care of his business. And if this is not of God, it's gonna fail all by itself. And if it is of God, you don't need to be getting in the way of it, do you? Well, is his answer, right? And I think he pretty much knew it was of God because how could the men disappear out of a jail, locked jail cell and be standing up there preaching again and nobody know how they got out? They didn't also, bring that like, up, did they? No. Wasn't it, like, weren't they kind of bound to the fact that, I mean, they had all these witnesses and they're saying these are witnesses and these are men in their right mind who or were witnesses to something. So weren't they kind of bound to, like, that system? Of, you would think so. Right? Most legal systems, and I'm turning into a debate teacher here, most legal systems in their inception with issues are usually fairly just. 
even, even where you have to prove your innocence, which is something that can't be done, and there are several countries where that's required, the, the face of it, it's just, and usually it works. But every system, regardless of how well designed the system is, can be subverted. And corruption can get into anything. And if you're really smart, you hide your corruption inside the rules themselves so that you're covered by some rule when you do something that's unjust, which is how the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Our justice system is turned into an American. And I knew that was going to start a big argument. Because, yeah, there are current uh, equivalents to this issue. Uh, I think they had a system, and I think by and large, if all of these priests are behaving appropriately and they're not paid off and working off their own biases, I think this probably worked. And I think if, if somebody was preaching something of God and they came and examined it and didn't find anything, they'd let them go. And if it was obvious blasphemy and they were going counter to the church and it wasn't God's meal, they, they would re, you know, punish them appropriately and remove them from what doing what they were doing. I think that's what law is for. Well, it seems like the Sanhedrin had more common sense than the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees were just bloodthirsty and went out to kill Jesus and wanted, oh, no. and wanted him killed immediately. I mean, they just wanted, they wanted him dead. Corrupt is corrupt. And so, but uh, the Sanhedrin didn't want him dead. They count, pulled this council to execute 12 people. I know, but they also weren't part of the Pharisees that wanted to kill Jesus. It oh, seemed, okay. Isn't the Sanhedrin the leaders of the Pharisees? It's kind of like a policey thing, modern quarter. No. They're all Jewish. They're all Jewish, and they're all uh, priests. Yeah. However, it's like having two, we would call them denominations of, of, of priests. And so it's like, I don't know, Put the Catholics and the Baptists together, you know. And so the Sadducees uh, were very uh, weirdly naturalistic. If they couldn't see it and feel it and measure it, that it didn't exist. Like Thomas. Yes. And so, uh, and they didn't believe that it was possible for anyone to be resurrected from the dead. And evidently, this argument has come up several times before Christ, to the point that they had to make a ruling on it. So what you're talking about is impossible. The Pharisees were pretty convinced that if they prayed really hard over a dead guy, they could get him to come back to life if God willed it, you know. And so the Sadducees and the Pharisees had a number of other differences between them. But the Sadducees were in charge of the temple, and the Pharisees were in charge of executing civil law within the Hebrew people, if I remember, if, I, if I've got all that correct. So if you go out to the synagogues, which are the little gathering places and churches out in the country, yeah. those are all run by Pharisees. But when you get to the temple, it's Sadducees in charge of it. And there's a slightly different culture within the two. And they kind of get along most of the time, like Baptists and Catholics. Yeah. You know. But it is interesting, where were the Pharisees in all of this? I mean, you don't hear anything here about the Because Pharisees. they're in the temple, and it's all the sad, this is a trial by Sadducees. Right, right, I know, but I'm surprised that the Pharisees aren't involved in this somewhere. In the Sadducee trial? Well, no, in the fact that they didn't agree with these you know, these people saying that they crucified Jesus and he rose from the dead because they didn't like that either. So I was just surprised that they're not in the middle of this somewhere. 
Well, okay. Like in verse 34, what? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, I missed that. Thank you. <laughs> 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 okay, I'm sorry. I can't gloat. Yeah, you can gloat. Okay, so Gamaliel, who's the old man and uh, knows the scripture and has everyone's respect, quotes old teaching that they're all familiar with, obviously on both sides of the doctrinal aisle here, and says, Leave this in God's hands. God's going to take care of it. If they're if they're blaspheming, God's going to make it all fail. And if they're if they're not, then you're in trouble, and you really don't need to be crucifying God's man, huh? Look, so I'm going to make the case that this was the same Gamaliel that sat in the pew hall, just because like he seems like if you know he had had that supernatural thing, he would have been convinced. You know the way that Paul did. It kind of seems like he's on the fence. You know, like hey, sure, yeah. this could be right. I haven't seen it, but this could be right. And, mm-hmm. uh, they also went pretty quick. <laughs> and, and they changed their mind. And this was very persuasive. It just seems like the same kind of lineage of, of teaching, opinion, speculation. Yeah. So his speech persuaded them. And, and you know, we've got this whole trumped up trial. We've got 70 judges and all of the rest of their entourage. So I'm guessing 200 people at least have shown up on the judge side. Plus, we've got all the people that came to the temple, you know, for to, to worship, and they're there for the show. So we've got a huge audience, and uh, the apostles were teaching, and, and there's at least 2,000 people that have been coming to that group. This is a big gathering. And we, we remove the apostles. They have a council with, with Gamaliel, and suddenly we change our mind, and we're not going to stone them. Which probably calmed down the potential riot that was developing out in the foyer. If I were writing this movie, oh, yeah. I would I would have thrown that in there because I, I think all of the followers of the apostles would not like what they're seeing. Yes. Could you imagine if they'd have drug them out and started stoning them? What a riot it would probably would have caused. I, I think that's possible. I think God would have struck them dead before they would have had the opportunity. I mean, there would have been probably a lot of dead people. I mean, the people attacking the Sadducees, trying to drag them out there to stone them. I mean. You would have had a, and I think this man, I think he, he was thinking of all of the possibilities of what could happen if they drug him out there. Yeah. Well, you would think so. So they decide not to stone them. What is flogging? That's, oh, is we're about to get there. No. And so they give them the light treatment. This is kind of like being dismissed from court. However... They flog them before they did, just to make sure that they knew their place. Flogging in Hebrew culture is, if I'm not mistaken, one strand of rope with a knot at the end of it. And so it's used like a whip, but it's a rope, it's not leather, and it's got a knot on the end. So. You, 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 you make the guy hug a post like you would, like the Romans would, and they beat him like the Romans would, but not with a cat of nine, which is what Romans use. Uh, and so when a Roman takes a cat of nine, which is a bunch of strands that have metal barbs on the end, they rake your back and they rip you to shreds. A cat of nine is designed to kill you. It is 
very unusual that someone would take a full flogging from a Roman and live. And they, they often flogged people that were about to be crucified to make sure that they bled to death fairly quickly. Uh, and, so, and that's what happened to Christ. And if Christ hadn't been crucified, the, the flogging, yeah, yeah, often with, with, with condemned people, you die in the flogging before they even get to the crucifixion. Uh, anyway, the, the Jews didn't do that because, first of all, they weren't allowed to execute people. So they had the non-lethal version of a flogging, which was this, with this rope. So they tie you there, and they, and they weren't allowed to give you a full flogging, which was considered 40 lashes. So they gave you 40 minus 1 as it was written out in their law. They don't say 39, it's 40 minus one, meaning just less than what the Romans won't allow us to do. You know, this is everything we're allowed to get away with. And so with that, they hit you with this knot and it doesn't, well, it can break your skin, but it doesn't rake your skin. It's potentially can fracture your bones if you've got a good guy on the whip but by and large, it's, it, you get badly, badly bruised. Uh, it'll take you three weeks to recover, but you're gonna walk away from this relatively normal. So, so a, a, a Jewish flogging uh, makes you really hate Jews for a while and hate life for a week or so. Uh, but after that, you're, you're gonna be okay. A Roman, Flogging is designed to make sure you're dead when it's over. Yeah. So they get the, the, the 40 minus 1 flogging, and then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they kicked them out the door. Don't you do that anymore, goodbye. That's the end of the massive public trial with thousands of people in attendance and at least and 70 judges. Uh, that's what it came to. Uh, so the apostles left the Sanhedrin badly bruised, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Being the selfish, egotistical person that I am, I have a hard time putting myself in that position and thinking that I would be able to behave that way. I would be quite grumpy. Well, I mean, you also got to put, you know, a picture of that, you know, these people saw Jesus' miracle, he was raised from the dead, they knew that heaven was the game, and so they knew that no matter what the shadow of a doubt, that, that they were being persecuted for the glory of the Lord and the glory of the kingdom. That's so true. Honor, you know, so. And so... nor counsel against the Lord. Explain. Well, basically it's saying that the, that the wicked get confounded by what God does here. Because mm -hmm. like I said, there's no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. And you've got a counsel here, 70 men trying to basically go against the Lord. And that's what Galilee is trying to say, you know, don't fight against God. I agree. So... That's significant. So they are rejoicing in this act of the Holy Spirit. They're rejoicing in, 
in, in going through a full trial before the Sanhedrin and then walking out the door under their own power, even though they're a little bruised. Uh, they are rejoicing that they have suffered disgrace. So officially in the pecking order, social pecking order of Jewish society, if you just took a flogging from the Sanhedrin, you are scum. And you know, you shouldn't be coming back into the temple. You are lowly. You 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 know, you're a you're a beggar status. You're a you're a criminal. And people don't need to do business with you. You're a criminal, right? So they're rejoicing because they've been disgraced. And then look at 42, which seems to be a contradiction to that disgrace. Day after day, in the temple courts, and from house to house, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news. So the disgraced, beaten, chastised apostles who went through this full trial in front of the full Sanhedrin, walked straight back into the temple the next day, and they're preaching over there in the colonnade where they were the day before and the day before that. Nothing changed. And I'll bet you they did it in full strength. In full strength. I mean, in spite of the flogging and all of that. Under the power of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. And, uh, they did it unto death, you know, and that, that's that's a powerful thing about it. Okay, I thought sure there was another paragraph in there. <laughs> okay, we have time for one more paragraph, Joe. You want to bring it home? Tell me what you're thinking. Oh no, that's all good. Okay, all right. In that case, people listening on the internet, we are done. Uh, next week, we are going to begin with chapter six in Acts. And compared to the others, it's a shorty, so we should be finished with that in uh, in one uh, in one day, and then we will uh, move on from there. So, chapter six next week. Uh, signing off.